Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order Faith Friday special edition here with my friend, Danny Covey. Danny is the author of the book, Scar Tissue, where he talks about his eight heart surgeries, four open heart surgeries, almost dying a few times, surviving an aortic aneurysm. This guy is a walking, talking miracle, literally, and he's here to talk about his faith and how to find hope on the road of recovery from serious health scares. Danny, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very pleased to be here. I'm grateful, man. I, I really am. Tell tell us, who are you? If, if you had to sum that up in three sentences, what would you, who would you tell people you are? Uh, well, the, the abbreviated version is I'm the husband to one fantabulous wife. I'm the father to three amazing kids. And I'm the survivor of eight heart surgeries. That's the short version. You and Carly have been married for 23 years. Yes. How'd you meet? Oh, we met in art school, believe it or not. She was a classmate of mine. And... I never looked at her twice because she was always dating someone else. And the year that I decided I'm just going to focus on my my school, my, my art, and graduate was the year she decided the same thing, but it was also the year somehow we ended up starting to date. And so we've been together since then. It's been 23 years. It's been good. We've had some rocky seasons, with particularly my health. But God has been very, very faithful through all of this. Wonderful. So your heart issues, um, is that something that developed during your marriage? I mean, in the, in the last 20 or so years? No, actually, uh, I was born with a congenital heart defect. And my parents weren't aware of it at the time. It was a problem with my mitral valve and my aortic valve. So really, the story of my, my heart problems begins really with my parents. It's their stories. And when I was about six months old, I just would flop over and stop breathing. I, my parents said I would turn gray. They'd rush me to the hospital. I would be revived. And then it would happen again and again and again. And they took me to 10 different cardiologists and none of them could diagnose what the problem was. And finally, that 11th cardiologist said, you need to rush him to Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And it was there that at 18 months old, I had my first open heart surgery. Wow. And for me, I grew up uh, as a kid. I was that kid in gym class who just didn't get picked for any teams because I wasn't there. I had surgery after surgery after surgery between the 1978 and 1990. Okay. And finally, when I was a teenager, I had an aortic valve put into my heart. And once that valve was put into my heart, for the first time in my life, now I actually was recovering. I had health. I could try things. And so wow. I went years without any surgery. And so my wife had always heard these stories. You know, when I was a kid, I had surgeries. But it was really in 2018 where, 
you know, I was back on the operating table and then we had to go through that as a family. Now with my family and not my parents. So in 2018, how many years had it been? It had been 20 years or so since your aorta yeah. valve was... I lose track. It had been... My, my last surgery before that was in 1990. And then I had surgery again in 2018. So whatever that math is, I'm not quick on my feet with the math. Yeah. But that's how long it had been. It had been 20 some years. And okay. God had been very good. I'd had excellent health. I was able to do a lot of things. But I noticed in 2017, I'm sorry, my surgery was in 2017. Okay. Uh, but I noticed during that time that things got very difficult. Walking up and down the stairs got difficult. My, my heart felt heavy. It felt like there was somebody sitting on my chest. And it was really through a, I'll call it a, a divine mistake that they discovered I had uh, an enlarged aorta and it was at risk of bur bursting. And in fact, it did burst. Wow. Wow. Was that on the operating table that that aortic aneurysm burst? They're not sure. Uh, it either burst moments before or just as I was being opened up. Wow. And when I was on the operating table, the surgery was going to replace my aortic arch and it was going to replace my aortic valve, which was now 20 some years old. But when they opened me up, it was an emergency surgery. I went nine minutes without blood or oxygen. Uh, and it was just a mad dash to save my life. And interestingly enough, um, I'll spoil it for you. I made it, but I was going to ask, I was going to ask, <laughs> but interestingly enough, um, the term being used in the hospital was that my surgeon had been a miracle worker. So even from the viewpoint of science and medicine, they knew this was not normal. This was an anomaly and they couldn't attribute it to anything they did. It was just flat out a miracle. What was life like for you? recovering after that surgery in 27 in some ways this is going to sound very strange in some ways it was very familiar this had been this was my eighth heart surgery this was my fourth open heart and so the process of recovery of what to expect was actually very familiar i had been through this as a kid I knew, okay, that's going to be sore like this for this many weeks. Getting back to work is going to take this long. Feeling like my, my old self is going to take much longer. And so I kind of looked at that as a small blessing because it wasn't something new that I'd never experienced before. I knew the steps involved. However, uh, with any surgery, with anything new, there were some new challenges that I hadn't had before that really just required extra grace. And I can, I can get into that a little bit if you're, if you're curious. Yeah, absolutely. So this surgery had two things happen that was different from other surgeries. Number one, I had a hard time getting off pain medication. And so I, had, I was on up to, I think, 11 different medications. I was trying to wean myself off. And then I stopped and things got very difficult. I had difficulty sleeping. I actually felt like a junkie, like I was shaking, I was tired, I was, I just was not myself. 
And so it took took several weeks to get normalized from being off of all those heavy-duty pain meds because they were very strong. And then the the second challenge with this surgery that I'm I'm still walking through is because I didn't have blood or oxygen for nine minutes, I did actually suffer some brain trauma. And at first I didn't notice it, but as I started recovering, I'd forget things. I'd repeat myself. I'd ask my my kids a question and they'd say, Dad, you asked me that three times already. And so that has been a challenge. I find I'm far more sensitive to loud noises or sounds or crowds. Um, I used to love joking and being the center of attention. Now I'm very happy just to sit back and watch and not be involved. So there's been challenges that way where I find I'm far more easily stressed, more easily confused. I forget dates. Uh, it's, so it's just a number of little things that I've just had to say, okay, we're going to slow down and we'll just take this as we can. How have you seen these, these changes in the way your brain works uh, affect your, your marriage and your relationship with your kids? You know, it's, it, it's going to sound bizarre, but it's actually been a good thing. Uh, when, I, when I had surgery, my, my last surgery, I was 40 years old. I felt like I had some homework to do. And that homework was, I'm going to get all my banking passwords, everything, so that if things didn't go according to plan, my will is updated and I've got everything in one spot that my wife can just open that book and she knows what to do. We had, we'd worked on a plan, a financial plan. But in addition to that, I felt this very compelling need to write a letter to my children in the event that I didn't make it. And what would I say to them? What would I say to my wife? And I took the time, I shed many tears over what I would write. But because of that, I felt, you know, I've, I'm good. If, if I pass away, my children, my wife know exactly where we stand. And I didn't pass away, but I still gave the kids and my wife the letter. I said, look, you can do whatever you want with these. You can burn it, you can keep it, you can open it someday. And as I understand it, all of them opened the letters. And what it has done, I think a lot of the usual friction that parents and kids have, we've cut through that because we've had to cut through it because life has been so fragile at times. What a, what a blessing to have that perspective. Yeah, and it, it's a... It's a difficult exercise. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I'm so glad that we've gone through these difficulties because it has made our relationship stronger. My oldest son, about a year and a half ago, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And I've watched his attitude as he's gone through this. And within a few months, he had everything figured out he was doing his own injections he was regulating his levels and i asked him about it i said you don't seem that upset about it he says well what's the point i have to deal with it anyway so i think our kids watching me go through surgery my wife's response and just trusting god through this very difficult process has strengthened them uh, quite a bit and given them a model 
Kenny, talk a little bit about your faith in God. Clearly, this is a huge part of your journey and certainly your recovery. Um, and and there's there's more about your recovery that I want to get to because there mm-hmm. there's lots to your story. But tell us about your faith in God. Where did that begin? How old were you? My my dad is actually a pastor. He retired a few years ago. He'd been ministering for over 50 years. So I grew up in a Christian home, and that was normal to me. I've had people say, what was it like growing up with a dad for a pastor? And I said, I don't know, compared to what? That was all that I knew. So I was very familiar with attending church, hearing about God. But it was as a young child where... I was really challenged, is this what I believe? And to the degree that a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old can understand, that was the level at which I said, you know what? I believe there is a God, and I believe he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. And I'm going to put my faith in that. I'm going to trust him. And... Again, I I would never wish this for anybody, but that that faith was tested again and again and again. At eight years old, that's the first surgery that I remember. My, My other surgeries, I was just a baby. But I remember at eight years old, in the operating room, minutes away from being put to sleep, and then at an eight year old level saying, If I die, where will I be in five minutes? And am I confident that if things don't go well, of where I will be? And then asking that same question again at 14, where I'm the anesthesiologist is putting a mask over me and and literally in 30 seconds, I'll be asleep and will I wake up? And if if I don't, am I confident I know where I'm going? And then again, as an adult, having that same thought process go through my head, I think there's tremendous value in having your beliefs tested. It's just a very difficult journey. I prayed a very dangerous prayer and uh, it was, God, do whatever it takes to get me to where you want me to be. And I literally, driving a garbage truck in Granite Quarry, North Carolina, on a Friday afternoon in uh, March of 2006, content, you know, but he shook up my entire life. And I'm so grateful now to do what I do and to have the life and the family and everything that we have. But it was a difficult and painful road transitioning, you know, God saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I, what I need to do to get you to where you need to be, but it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt kind of like a surgery, a surgery to remove scar tissue was going to be really painful, which takes us back to your book, scar tissue. What, what Mm. an interesting name. Why did you choose that name for your book? And there's a, there's a, there's a great story behind that. Um, A friend of mine wanted to write a book. And he wanted to bounce some ideas off of me. So we went for a very long two, two hour plus walk and he just different ideas. And at the end of it, he said, would you ever consider writing a book? And 
this question kind of caught me off guard and I thought, well, I'm, I'm too young. Um, you know, books are what silver haired people write in their, their 70s and 80s. But that idea stuck with me. And the idea, I didn't get the idea, the idea got a hold of me. And so I went home that night and just started making some notes. If I wrote a book, well, you know, what are some things that I might want to include? And 12 pages later, I realized, man, I've got something to say. That title, Scar Tissue, I'd had other ideas that were kind of there, kind of not there. And Scar Tissue came to me when I read an interesting fact. And that fact is that scar tissue is actually stronger than skin tissue. Skin tissue has blood cells, hair cells, sweat glands, but scar tissue is actually stronger. It's a healed wound that says, I'm healed and this is my story. And when I, when I realized that that fact, that even though it's the skin is marred, even though the skin is ugly, it's stronger. And when I, when, I, when I realized that, I thought, there's my title. And in the book, scar tissue is not just physical scar tissue. It's kind of a concept that I discuss. Yeah. And it's that concept where you go through something very difficult. And it's challenging and you want to give up. And that's literally an open wound. And if you don't allow that wound to heal and get that scar tissue and become stronger, it's always going to be an open wound. It's going to be an area of pain. And so scar tissue is that concept that says, I'm not a victim. I'm going to overcome this. I believe that there is purpose in my challenges and my struggles, and I want to become stronger through it. That's, that's where the title came from. That's beautiful, Danny. Thank you for sharing that. How are you, Danny Covey, stronger? I mean, how is how is the scar tissue exemplified in your life post this most recent recovery? I would say two things. I think, well, I know human suffering is a human universal. You'll suffer or you have suffered. I have suffered and likely will suffer again to varying degrees in different situations. All of us suffer. And in every surgery, in every difficulty, I've always believed that God has purpose in my suffering. So that means when I go through hard things, it's it's not without purpose. There's a reason why we go through the things that we go through. We may not always understand it, and that's something that I wrestled with in my book, the idea of survivor's guilt, and why does God answer some prayers and not others? I didn't come to a good conclusion, but I just had to say, God, God has a reason. And so that's really helped me through my surgeries is just knowing there's a reason and probably the biggest issue. And I, I say this as candidly as I can. I've never asked God, why me? Why did I have to go through this? Because I don't think we'll ever know. Why did I go through X, Y, and Z? And this person went through these other set of circumstances. But I have always tried to ask, God, what are you teaching me? What's what's the lesson? When I ask the why me question, that's where bitterness creeps in. When I ask the what are you teaching me, 
that's scar tissue. That's like, okay, I can heal from this and become stronger through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think God, I know God wants clear and honest communication with his children. You know, Jesus was perfect. He did not sin. And he said, why have you forsaken me from the cross? There's no bad question as long as the motivations are correct. You know, I mean, my, when my entering into the kingdom was with a very raw, very real question, what do you want me to do? You know, hands in the air, angry, like shouting at the sky, what do you want me to do? But it was the first time at 26 years old that I was honest with him. Like I really wanted an answer, not just mm-hmm. the answer I wanted to hear. Um, so I, I just it, it makes so much sense how this all comes together for you. Talk, if you could, about who Jesus is to you and what role the Bible has in your day-to-day life. If I can say this respectfully, Jesus is my fellow patient. He's my sufferer with me in those times. There's um, there's an idea that I've kind of kicked against where God expects, or I'm told that God expects, you know, if you follow him, everything in your life is going to be good. Your health is going to be great. I've really challenged that because I don't see evidence of that in the Bible. I see a lot of followers of Jesus suffer joyfully for his sake and so that's been Jesus in my hard times when I'm in the hospital and I'm in pain and it's dark and I'm alone he's right there with me when I'm recovering and I'm getting you know progress and I'm doing well he's celebrating with me so he has been that constant through line throughout my life and I love it Because from a child to an adult, going through these same circumstances of surgery and recovery, surgery and recovery, how that relationship with with God and Jesus has changed over time. Not that they've changed, but my understanding has changed. You know, uh, someone asked me, how do you have hope in what you've gone through without God? You can't. Um you can't I, I I could not go through what I went through without the Lord in it with me yeah. I'd, I'd talked to someone uh, about two or three years ago and I describe him this way he was like the bizarro version of me he had been through a lot of difficulties as a kid many surgeries they weren't heart surgeries but he had cancer he had all kinds of different surgeries but he didn't follow God. He didn't have that knowledge that God was with him. And he was bitter. He was angry. Why did this have to happen to me? I'm a survivor. I'm just going to fight my way through it. And it was really sad because I wanted to encourage him. But I, our approaches were so vastly different. Mm. You know, I'm here saying, you know what? There's purpose in this. We, you know, God is something. And he's like, no. Why did this happen? Why couldn't it have been someone else? You know, I've been robbed of the life that I should have had. It was a very difficult conversation. But that difference is God. 
It's walking, God walking with you through those difficult times and knowing he has purpose in everything. How has your relationship with your wife morphed over the years or changed or grown or been strained um, just even after this most recent recovery, this most recent surgery six or so years ago? Um, I'll, I'll be candid. You, you mentioned a word strained. And from her point of view, uh, I would say pre-surgery, you know, I was the, the class clown. I joked a lot. Surgeries were stories that she'd heard about that may or may not happen again someday. And they happened. And then she was face to face now with this reality that she'd heard about. But now, you know, it was very difficult. Um, when I had almost died in the hospital, the surgeon came to talk to my family. And when he walked in the room, he slumped down on the chair and he just shook his head and he said, we almost lost him. And my wife burst into tears. My family, my parents were there. And I think that's when the reality of this really hit, that it wasn't just some abstract conversation. Now it was real. With some of the neurological challenges that I have had, I get more stressed easily. I get confused more easily. I get lost. If I leave the house, I'm probably going to be back in three or four more times. Where are my keys? Did I forget this? And so it's been harder on her. And at the worst of it, uh, in 2018, she had said, you know what? I just want my old husband back. And that's when I realized my difficult world recovery was excuse me, really affecting her. And so I sought Christian counseling. I, I talked to somebody just to kind of work through, but it's become an area again, what can we learn from this as a couple? I don't know why this happened. She doesn't know why, but it's the reality of our situation. So what can we learn? We're going to grow through this. Our marriage is different. I don't joke as much, but I'm still there. You know, there's still glimmers of that, that old Danny, I guess. But we've learned to walk through it. It's different. But it's given us new areas to trust God in and new areas to grow together. So I know it hasn't always been easy, especially for her at times. But we're working on our, what I call, better than normal. Not a new normal. Not going back to normal, but our better than normal. I like that. I like that. Thriving, not surviving. What has... Talk specifically about the recovery, and I know, I mean, going back to the name scar tissue and the meaning behind that of becoming stronger and even impenetrable in, in some senses, tell tell people more about um, some of your victories after this most recent heart surgery. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to back up because I'm going to get there, but when I was... 14 and I had a mechanical valve put in my heart. I'd mentioned that that was the first time in my life where I actually was recovered and I could do things. And of all the things I wanted to do, I didn't want to do football or soccer. I wanted to get into martial arts. And so I, against the better judgment of my parents and my cardiologists and my surgeons, I said, look, if I don't compete, could I, could I do martial arts? And they very reluctantly said, okay. 
So that was a journey that I pursued in my teens. And then again in my 30s, I got back into martial arts. I got into jiu-jitsu. So as I'm advancing in jiu-jitsu, I'm at my brown belt, which is just before black, black belt. And then I run into all these health challenges. And all of that's put on hold. Now you're having surgery. And by the way, you almost died. And you have a new ascending aorta. And your old valve is still there. And it's 30 some years old now. So you probably want to be careful about what you do with your health. And at that point, you know, I'm going through recovery. I'm in the hospital for just over a week. I'm home. The doctors are saying you have to walk every day to build up your heart muscle and strengthen it. So my first walk was a whopping four minutes. I came back into the house. I fell onto the couch and I slept for two hours because just a four minute walk wiped me out that much. So a few weeks later, each day I'm adding a little bit of time to my walk. And a few days later, but, uh, I'm walking, it's at night and I'm shuffling on a trail near my house. And I'm feeling sorry for myself because I'm imagining how am I ever gonna get back into martial arts? I'm hunched over, I'm in pain. And then right on cue, it starts raining. And I just, I remember talking to God and saying, God, I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know how fast I'm gonna recover, but you know, today it hurts. And I, you know, thank you, you're here with me, but this is hard. And then literally, you know, four minutes becomes 10 minutes, becomes an hour. And then I was walking up to two hours a day. And then I'm incorporating running and, and light weights. And then suddenly, I want to go back into martial arts. And the cardiologist, my parents again, no, you've, you've done enough. And I said, but what if, what if I was careful? What if I wasn't stupid, but I just challenged myself but I didn't take unnecessary risks but I pushed my limits and so I did and I got back into it and the irony now is I had a checkup a few months ago with my cardiologist and the irony now is they say your heart's actually very strong because you've been pushing it mm-hmm. but I've only been pushing it because I didn't fully embrace their advice <laughs> I don't want to say I didn't take their advice, but I just didn't fully say, all right, I'm not going to do anything. And again, that's that concept of scar tissue. Push your limits safely. Challenge yourself safely. Yeah. And, and so what about, what about jujitsu? Your, did you continue that journey in the chasing that black belt? Oh, this is beautiful. 20 months after open heart surgery, I spent five hours in a black belt exam and I earned my black belt and I say earned not given I was very adamant I didn't want special treatment there were some times where my breathing was very heavy and labored and I sounded like I was gonna die I I caught my breath and I continued on Uh, one of my first classes back I was part of a demonstration and somebody accidentally kicked me in the chest and they froze and they looked at me thinking I was gonna keel over and die. And I just smiled at them and I said, again, you're gonna to have to do better. Yeah. So, and again, that, my chest, it's its meshed together with staples and scar tissue. And so it's, it's pretty strong, it's not gonna break. 
but it was that was my introduction back into it and i was i was ready but it's been as strange as this sounds it's second corinthians 12 9 to 10 those are my verses years ago i heard people talk about i've got a life first and i never i didn't have that until i went through surgery and i and that has become my life first because the areas that I am most weak in are the areas that God can shine the, the brightest, where God can do the greatest in those areas where we struggle the most. And that was 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 12, and 10. 12, yeah. 9 and 10, okay. Are you able to quote that or should I look it up? Um, and he's, I'm not sure which version, but he said, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Much more gladly then will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. Danny, last question. How do you see the power of Christ resting upon you? In exactly that way. The areas that I struggle the most are where he shines the brightest. I wrote a book that is touching people's lives because I have suffered. That book represents the hardest and darkest times of my life. And yet, here it is being given to other people as a tool of encouragement. And there's a quote that really cemented to me why we need to share our stories, why we need to talk about God and Jesus, why we need to talk about our difficulties. And I want to make sure I get it right. But the quote said, one day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. Our Bible is humanity's survival guide. Your struggle, when you share it, becomes somebody else's survival guide. My book becomes somebody else's survival guide. Danny, tell us where we can get a copy of the book and where we can find more about Mr. Danny Covey. Um, I'm pretty easy to find online. I have a website, dannycovey.com. You can order my book from there um, through my publisher. I'm fairly active on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Just type in my name. You'll find me. You'll see a smiling bald head. That's me. So just, just look for that. But probably the easiest way is dannycovey.com and I've got a newsletter as well that I send out each month called Still Ticking and you can subscribe to that and follow my journey. Awesome. Danny, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.